everybody, John Morris with Baylor Men's Tennis Coach Michael Woodson. It's time for the 2022 inaugural State of the Program. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you as well, John. Appreciate you inviting us in the great herd tennis facility, your office here. We need to show people around your office. I mean, this is a pretty good museum in here. It's it's something I like to have a lot of memories of, of my family and, and past teams and experiences. So uh, I want it to be a warm and inviting place. Very good. It is that very much so. Well, thanks for your time. We're going to get uh, we've got some questions that have been tweeted in, asked of you and some really good questions. You folks have done well with this. Um, so we're going to pass these on to you and get a good feel for where you are right now, where the program is about to start the spring schedule. As we record this, you start on January 14th. So it's right around the corner. It's coming up fast. Uh, really excited to, to get going. I think it's going to be a lot of fun uh, this season. Good. Looking forward to it. Congratulations again. Before we move into this year on last year, playing for the national championship, Big 12 champs. What a great year it was last year. It was an, a phenomenal year. Yeah, we, we really had a, a blast with those guys. I mean, I thought, you know, it was a difficult year for in so many different ways, but to, to come together like they did and show the maturity in the class uh, to make the sacrifices that they needed was really special and they earned it. I mean, it was the, you know, the all credit to the guys and the great staff. Gosh, what a great year that was. All right, looking for more of this same. Bar's pretty high for Baylor men's tennis. We, you understand that. We understand that. Let's get to some of the questions that have been uh, tweeted in at you. Here's one from uh, Scott Davidson, who's here anytime we open the doors. Scott says, uh, do you have a better idea on probable lineups after fall? That's a great question, Scott. Um, I, I definitely, you know, I think we, we have a lot of new guys this year. We have five returners. We've got four transfers, three freshmen. Uh, so it's, it's always a bit of a, of a struggle to try to, to separate the guys, but at the same time, you know, we're, we're working a lot on development and, and helping the guys become the best versions of themselves possible. So we don't want to put a ceiling on them. We don't want to slot them into any position. We want to see how they, you know, how they develop, how they grow, let them challenge themselves at the, at the highest possible level that they can. And so, uh, you know, it, it, it can be difficult when they're all playing really high level competition day in and day out. But uh, certainly, you know, over time, as they practice together, as, as we see them gain different experiences, you can see kind of who fits in where uh, a little bit better. Do I know where they're going to be, uh, you know, in a few months? Honestly, not yet. But uh, I think that's a good problem to have. Very good. Good question, Scott. Corey uh, Weary says, if you had to name someone who is under the radar that should be uh, watched, who would that be? Oh, there's not a lot of guys on the team that are really under the radar, uh, I would I would say. Um, you know, a couple guys that have really impressed me, um, and they might be surprised to say this because I, I think I'm, I'm on them a lot. Uh, our, one of our freshmen, Ethan Musa, uh, he really has a, a, a lot of game. He has a lot of gifts. Um, you know, he works, he works hard every single day, uh, maybe a, a little bit too much at times. Uh, and I think that's where we get to reining him in. But when he locks it down and as he continues to grow and be around these older, more experienced guys. I mean, his ceiling is high. Um, and I think he's somebody that could could turn some heads um, that, that's going to come out of nowhere for the fan base. And uh, Cole Gromley has really impressed me as well. Uh, uh, transferred from Georgia Tech. He uh, has has played at the highest level. He's played ATP events. He's, uh, you know, played as high as number one singles there. But I think a little bit under the radar, you know, had an injury that kept him out there, transferred. I don't think there was, you know, a lot of people uh, really paying attention to him. Uh, he's worked really, really hard. He's had a great attitude. He's fit in really well here, and, and I think he's uh, somebody to, to watch this season. Cool. 
What a great name, Cole Gromley. He's, That's yeah. one to remember. He got, he's got a good one. <laughs> All right, here's a question from uh, Scotty B, who is here pretty much anytime the doors are open also. Scotty says, how would you break down the roster in terms of game style? Well, Scotty's paying attention, so I better get this one right. Um, you know, I, I think we have a bunch of uh, really aggressive players, um, but we try not to to keep them, you know, playing in any one particular style. You know, we want to work on what what works best for each particular individual. Uh, but I would say that you know the top half of our lineup last year was very aggressive, and the bottom half, uh, in general, was a little bit more consistent. Um, you kind of see that, you know, at times uh, around the country. Maybe if you were to generalize it, but uh, this year I would say we have more aggressive players than we've ever had. Um, guys that love to to step up in the court, attack, finish around the net, um, you know, serve big. Uh, and I think that's a, a fun, exciting style. You know, we want the rat, we want the, the ball in our rackets. Um, and, and I think we are taking a step forward in, in the level of aggressive play that we have. So if I had to, to pick one style um, throughout the team, it would be that we're, we're a super aggressive team that likes to, to play with the, with the ball in our racket and, and dictate. Um, you know, we have a few guys that are, are consistent players that a little bit more like Spencer Furman or Nick Stachowiak that we had last year that you're just are not going to miss a ball that are going to be out there all day. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it, it's a little bit more aggressive style of play. So it's been fun to watch in practice. Very cool. Great. Great question. And uh, here's another one from Brad Beal. Brad says, what is your theory about which side they should play in doubles? Does that vary depending on the individual or is one alignment a better strategy? It does definitely vary uh, depending on the individual. I think you can go so many different ways with this question. Um, you know, you have to start with having great chemistry between the two players and then trying to figure out, you know, some guys feel like they want to play on one side because it gives them an opportunity to hit their weaker stroke more often. Mm -hmm. But actually at the level that we play at, most players serve body or tee a lot. Uh, and so you actually are wanting to be in a spot where you're hitting your best stroke where they're serving most of the time. It's actually less likely that, that players at the highest level are going to serve to a weakness, they're going to serve their best patterns, um, you know, and serve high percentage doubles plays. So we, we kind of think about making sure that the guys are getting their best stroke more often um, and then giving them the reps, you know, and, and it does depend on, it depends on the player. It depends on who they're playing with. Um, you know, in general, in doubles, you would normally have said the ad court player maybe want to be their better returner because they're going to get more of the important points. But now with no ad scoring, the, the big deuce point is actually you're going to play the same number and, and you could play the big point on the deuce side now. So it, it becomes less important than it was before. So uh, it definitely varies by player and, and it's not always, sometimes they think that they're better on one side and they're actually the stats show they're better on the other. And so uh, you really have to kind of pay attention to that, especially in a sprint to six. That's a very knowledgeable question and a great answer. So, uh, Brad, thanks for that. Are you one who, uh, how much emphasis do you put on the doubles point? We put a lot of emphasis on it. I mean, I think it, it made a huge difference last year for us um, over time. I think, you know, you don't want to overdo it because it's, it is just, you know, 17% of the, of the match. But at the same time, uh, it sets the tone. You know, you can get so much momentum going into the singles uh, or you can lose momentum, uh, you know, if the doubles point isn't played well. And I think it's a really fun, exciting part. So it brings a different, um, it, it brings different emotions out from the players and it's, it's almost like 
like a different sport. Uh, and so we really like it. We want to be good at it. it. It helps these guys develop their singles games and it helps them at the next level. Cool. All right. Here's a question from uh, Spirit. Spirit, thank you very much. Uh, what are you most looking forward to in the upcoming season? You know, honestly, just being out on the court com competing with the guys is, is such a blast. I mean, seeing them leave it all out there day in and day out is, is special. I mean, that's what they work so hard for. So uh, for us just to be out there with them as coaches is a, is a lot of fun and is so rewarding. Um, you know, and, and to see them come off of such a successful year and then work so hard. I mean, the guys that were here last year are in better place than they were, um, you know, then they're, they're really excited and ready to go and to have these new, new guys in. I mean, it's always exciting to see them get out on the court and compete and see how you can you can help them and see how all the hard work, you know, is going to pay off and then ultimately throughout the season make adjustments. And I mean, that's that's the fun part of this job. Yeah, it's a fun time of year, isn't it? It's, Just getting all this going in the it's spring. It's exciting, yeah. yeah. All right, another question uh, from Spirit also says, how can the Baylor fan base help your team achieve your season goals? You know, we talk about it all the time. It's 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 legitimately in tennis. You know, building a fan base one at a time because the product is fantastic. I mean, it is really exciting to come out and watch these these young men and and our young women compete. They're some of the best tennis players, not just in the country but in the world. Um, you know, several of the of these players are going to go on and make a living on the tour, and uh, that's you know that's a rare thing to have that level of sport in in an area and. What's so cool is we we don't have any professional sports here, so you know Baylor is it, and we have a very loyal fan base, and we're having so much success in so many different sports that it's an exciting time, and and our guys love to to play in front of a of a full stands, um, you know, and a packed indoor, packed outdoor, it, it makes the difference. It, you know, our players play better, and you can legitimately make a, an impact on the match. It, you know, and and that's not to not to rag on basketball or football, but one fan isn't going to make a difference in those states. Stadiums, but in tennis, you get a, a few really excited fans out there. It gets everybody going, and it makes a huge impact on the match. Yeah, that's great. Great atmosphere here, indoors yes. and outdoors. All right, uh, we just passed Christmas. We're into the new year. Did you get together with your family over Christmas? I did. Yeah, Good. you Good. know, it was very nice to be able to to spend time, honestly, even just at home. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was one of the first times we haven't had guys on campus since. December 2019. So for me, it was, it was good to spend a little extra time with the girls, with Vanessa, uh, to relax a little bit and recharge. And uh, it was really a lot of fun. Very nice. All right, going back now, question from Sherwin Newton, going back into your background. Uh, what moment in your childhood did you realize you loved tennis? That's a great question. My uh, my mom tried to push tennis on me a lot when I was a kid, and I, you know, I was ah no, you know, I'm I'm gonna play baseball, I'm gonna play soccer, basketball. I played everything else basically, and I, I just wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. We didn't want to go out and hit tennis balls with her. And and in seventh grade, uh, I had a couple of really good friends that went out for that were really good players uh, that had been playing for a long time. They were gonna play on the JV team, and a couple of us that were not tennis players, we all wanted to be on the same team we thought this was our chance so we legitimately grabbed rackets out of the garage went out for tryouts um, made the team I think I played seven you know like yeah. your number one doubles or whatever it was that first year on a team of 12 guys and uh, it, I really didn't look back it was so much fun wow. that I just loved being a part of that team and we played it was fun to compete we were undefeated had nothing to do with me um, you know the team was actually very good um, 
and uh, we played seventh and eighth grade. And then going into ninth grade, I actually wanted to do it again. I wanted to play on the JV team because we were all going to be together. But the varsity coach came and said, hey, you know, Michael, we really need you on the varsity team. And um, I was surprised by that, but had an opportunity and got to, to play on the team with seven seniors and started. And um, that was really when I started to take it seriously. Uh, was not until high school, which is not the normal uh, tennis story, but I think it's one that keeps me excited and passionate about the sport today because I, I, I didn't start at two or three years old yeah. like a lot of people. Cool. That's a great story. And remind people, you're from a very athletic family. I mean, <laughs> you could have gone any number of directions, probably. I, I, probably. I yeah. mean, I, I, I'm not shy about saying I'm the worst athlete <laughs> in the family. I mean, if you just go down the list, it's pretty amazing. But uh, happy to be associated with those great athletes. Great. So that was the start of your tennis playing career. Yes. What about coaching? Uh, question from Hannah Basso. What made you decide to coach that's a you know I mean I, I loved coaching uh, even in high school my high school coach Debbie Peak was very influential on me she helped groom me as a leader you know as a captain and then I worked for her in the summers coaching her tennis camps uh, all over the the city that I grew up in and you know I, that made me love it um, and then my mom was a teacher. My dad was a baseball coach. So I was around a lot of uh, leadership, mentorship, impact. Um, you know, so I, I was really passionate about it. I started tutoring when I got into college. I continued to teach tennis lessons in camps, um, you know, and, at, at NC State and then at Valpo. But it, it, it really, I, I didn't think that I was going to go into that. It wasn't until my mom passed um, that, you know, I had the opportunity for my, my college coach to, to stay on and be an assistant at Valpo. And, and the rest is kind of history. I, as I look back, I should have known I, I would coach because I loved it so much. And I think I've loved it coaching more than playing, even when I was a player. Yeah. I mean, there were times where I would have rather sat on the bench and just or, and coached other guys than played myself. Yeah. Uh, and and that, I, I know that's not normal, but that's just how I felt. I was really passionate about helping others.